Good morning, everybody. Does that sound okay? Um, my name's Todd, and uh, it's thanks so much for being here this morning. And uh, it's really been great for me to be here with you this summer, serving the Lord's Supper, and I'm very excited to to be looking at God's Word with with you all here this morning. So let let me start by praying, and then we'll start. Heavenly Father, I guess, um, and then I guess, kids go to children's worship. Missed that cue, but we can pray. Let's do. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the kids and how they remind us, Lord, that um, of what faith looks like, that we might come to you as little children, Lord, and uh, wanting to trust in you because uh, you are good. Help us this morning trust in you yet again, even though things don't seem so good. And um, we do thank you for your word and I pray that we would be um, soft to it here this morning. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We certainly all know what it's like to receive a word, a message that we don't want to hear. Kids, you know uh, what this is all about. Um, What's the least favorite word that your parents may say to you? It's no, right? Um, Parents, my least favorite word as well is no for my kids. Um, We know what it's like to hear something from our, our work, a hard word there, or from our friends, or from what we hear on the news. What's it like, though, when we hear a hard word from God? Something that we don't want to hear. Something that we may read in God's word, or something that we might hear by way of a phone call or a text. Something that we don't want to hear. Um, The church in Thessalonica is a source of great thankfulness to Paul. In chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, we see Paul thanking God for for all of the Thessalonians and how he continually makes mention for them in his prayers. He's thankful that their work um, produced, that, that they have a work produced by faith that they have labor that's prompted by love and that they have an endurance that's inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. They have a faith that functions, a love that labors and a hope that hangs on. And the question we get to today is to think about why do they have this work, this love and this hope that endures? The why is what we see in chapter 13 of chapter 2. Look at those words with me. Paul writes, And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. The reason why these people have the faith, the love, and the hope is because they have accepted God's word. And that's what we're talking about today is accepting God's word. And we're going to see three things about the word that they accepted and First, we'll see some things that are true about the word they received. And second, what happens to them when they accept this word that they received? And third, how are we to accept God's word, even when it's something we don't want to hear? So let's start today by looking at the word that they received. And we'll spend a lot of our time in verse 13. So really zoom in on that verse with me here this morning. So what's the word received? Um, We see there, and we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God. 
The word they received is God's word. God speaks. I, had a, I have a buddy of mine. His name's Dale. And from time to time, when he picks up the word of God, he's a pastor, he, he will say this. This is God's word. And he'll say it again. This is God's word. He'll say it again. This is God's word. And he'll say it one more time. This is God's word. What he's doing is he is reminding himself that what he holds in his hand is God's message to him and to us. A reminder that I personally don't stop and consider. Consider that the creator of the heavens and the earth speaks and in his word we have his words to us in all the places in which we find ourselves. What is the word that's received? It's God's word. And how does God speak? We see it in verse 13. When you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, God speaks through human words. Um, Second Peter says this, for prophecy never had its origin in human will, but the prophets, though humans, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God promised that he would uh, send his Holy Spirit to make those things in the word to, to come alive. We see this in, in John. The spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. He's speaking to the apostles who would in turn write the scriptures. The question is, who wrote 1 Thessalonians, the book we're studying? It's Paul, right? I could ask the question again. Who wrote the book of 1 Thessalonians? It's God. God used Paul. It's dual authorship. So what's the word that's received? It's God's word. He uses human words. And what happens to this word? Verse 13, when you receive the word of God, which you heard. People hear the word. We talk a lot about reading God's word, but I think there's real benefit to listening to God's word as well. Um, I, even just this week, I saw an article by uh, a theologian, Michael Horton. He said this about another theologian. That Robert Godfrey says the greatest need of the church today is to listen to God's word. Really, to listen. Listen to the Bible, lots of it. And this is, I thought, interesting what he said. We, we speak a lot about reading God's word, and in so doing, our sole focus becomes on what we can do. But by learning to listen to the scripture, it provides a balance. By it, we turn our gaze to what the text does with us, what God does through the text to us. So for many years, um, I've really enjoyed Stacy and I just going to church and hearing scripture read. And um, in fact, that's what I do a lot, just to spend time in the Word. As I drive, I listen to um, the scripture being read. And might that be a way for you to hear God's Word? This is God's Word. He uses human words. People hear it. We can hear it. We can read it. What did God do to these words that, they, that are heard? And we see in verse 13, when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as human words, but as it actually is, the word of God. What God did to these words is that he moved on these Thessalonians to have them accept God's word. To see them not as being merely human words, but the word of God. 
And how did this occur? It occurred because God had that happen. And why do I say that? Because we see at the beginning of verse 13, what does Paul do? He's praying again. He says, and we also thank God continually because God is the one who brought these words to life for these people. So what does this mean for us? It means that this morning as as we read these words, as we listen to them read, that God is speaking, that God has a word for us. It also means that not only as we read the words and as we listen to the words by some amazing um, feat, as we hear the word being preached, even as I hear the word being preached, that God is using this to speak to us as well. So um, the question that, would we, that is before us then is in our receiving God's word, understanding it to be not just human words, but the very words of God, what is it that's before us here this morning? And I would say the same thing that was before the Thessalonians, and that's whether or not to accept God's word, which takes us to our second point. What happens when the word is accepted. And what we're going to see is that um, there's something that has been done in the lives of the people who have accepted God's word. And we see that here in verse 13. It says this, the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Something has happened These people, in accepting God's word, they have placed their belief, their faith, and trust in the Lord. They have become believers by accepting God's word. He calls them here in verse 13, in you who believe. So something has happened. They have come to faith because of God's word. Something is happening as well in the text. We see this, and we've just read it, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. So God, who moved these people to accept God's word, is now at work in a living and active way through this word in these people's, in these, these person's life. didn't say that very well, but he's at work, right? And um, how do we know? How do we know that he's at work in their lives? And that's what verse 14 through 16 is all about. Verse 14 through 16 is going to give us evidence that God is at work in in the lives of these Thessalonians. Now, 14 through 16, there's there's some interesting things there, right? And so what I want to do is I want to look at these and try to figure out what's being said here. And then we'll look at what's the evidence that shows God's works is God's word is at work in their lives. So what's going on in, in 14 through 16? Because many are disturbed by the language used there. Verse 14, for you, me included, for you, brothers and sisters in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus, you suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews. And this is where it gets hard to hear. Who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. Many are disturbed by Paul's language here. They they would say that 
This is over the top. Isn't this a bit harsh, how Paul is talking about the Jews? Is this anti-Semitic? Why is he speaking so negatively? Well, one thing I wanted to say is, and I want to make this clear, this isn't an anti-Semitic thing. There's no place in Christian character to be anti-Semitic. It's not a, an ethnic thing, it's a theological thing. What's going on here is, he's not anti-Semitic, he's anti-sin. I mean, Paul himself is a Jew, and he's speaking out against that which he himself had done. And so what's going on here is that the proclamation of the gospel is being hindered because of the Jewish opposition of, of what's going on. So strong words, but because something is happening to, to make the gospel proclamation not go forth. Something that, as we read in the text, affects all of mankind. It, it's hostile to everyone in their effort to keep from speaking to the Gentiles. So that's why Paul is so strong here. Well, what he's saying, don't miss the main feature here, is he's saying that these Thessalonians are suffering the same thing that the churches in Judea have suffered at the hands of the Jews. What he's saying here is evidence for why it is that we know the word is at work in the lives of these people. What's the evidence? The people are suffering. Right? And that in and of itself is not enough to say we know for sure that the word's at work. Because to suffer is, is one thing. They're suffering because of the word of God. But the question we must ask is, what are they doing in their suffering? But it's a question we don't have to ponder long because Paul answers it in chapter 1. So if you have your, your Bibles, look there in the small black books. Great. If you don't have it, just listen. There we, we hear Paul talking in a similar way that they are imitators there. It says in verse 5 of chapter 1, the gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction. They were suffering, right? With the joy of of the Holy Spirit. How did they respond to the suffering they faced? Remember, these people, these Thessalonians, they were suffering because of the word of God. And how did they respond? They responded with joy. Joy is, is not happiness, although at times it includes happiness. No, biblical joy is more than happiness or a happy feeling. It's a lasting emotion that comes from the choice to trust God and that he will fulfill his promises. It's something that can be had even in the midst of intense suffering because its source doesn't rest in the current circumstances, but in future hope. Jesus says this in Matthew 5. He says, blessed are you when others revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Jesus says, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And this certainly doesn't mean that we suppress or ignore our sorrow. That's not helpful. Paul himself often expressed grief about missed loved ones or losing friends or even losing his own freedom. He called it being full of sorrow and yet rejoicing. And as he expressed this, his pain, he also made a choice to trust Jesus that his loss wouldn't be the final word. 
But let's be honest. It is not easy to have joy in the midst of suffering. It's not easy to receive a hard word. It's not even easy to receive a hard word from God. So that's our third point. It's how do we accept God's word even when it's hard? Because God's word can be hard to hear it sometimes. I don't like everything I read in here. I don't know if that's you. Um, Here are a few examples. God's word says it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's not easy. God's word says, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. That's not easy. God's word says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Think of the Ten Commandments. Don't make anything in your life more important than God. Don't have idols. Honor your father and mother. Always tell the truth. Be happy with what you have. Don't wish for other people's things. Don't covet. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Kids, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. The Bible has things in it that are hard to take and to want to run to for me. I don't know if that's true for you. God has lots of hard words for us. And these also come by way of a diagnosis. Maybe it's cancer. They come by way of a bad ultrasound. They come by way of a phone call in the middle of the night. They come by way of an email I received 10 days ago about a youth group kid who we just buried him the other day. They come by way of a a phone call I get as we're moving to the, the, the graveside about Kelly. These are hard words. So how are we to accept God's word, especially when it's hard to hear? How are we to find joy even in the midst of suffering? And I think the answer is twofold. First, I think the answer is, ironically, to the question of how do we accept God's word, is God's word. More of it. Listen to what Paul says, not two chapters later in the book of 1 Thessalonians. It's chapter 4, verse 13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, he who, he who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. I think one way we are to receive God's word, even when it's hard, is more Bible, is more of God's word. Because God knows our sorrow. God knows our confusion. God knows our hurts. God knows our skepticism. And God speaks to those things in his word. But secondly, how are we to find joy amidst suffering? I think it's just as the Thessalonians did. 
Verse six of chapter one, let me remind you. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity is the one who brings God's word to life, who revives our heart, who regenerates our heart so that we might become believers and who uses God's word to be at work in our lives. And we have evidence of it seen here in the Thessalonians. We have evidence of it seen in our lives as well, that we can do the unthinkable to find joy even in the hardest of times. I've seen that happen with the church in in Thessalonica, and I've seen that happen in this space this morning. And as we stood around the grave the other day, there's still joy there, and that comes by way of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Joy comes by way of the Holy Spirit. Paul calls it walking by the Spirit. He says to stay in step with the Spirit. Today, in our catechism, question 34, since we are redeemed by grace alone through Christ alone, must we still do good works and obey God's word? Yes. Because Christ, having redeemed us by his blood, also renews us by his spirit. That we are to stay in step with God's spirit. Doing those things that we saw in our sister, Kelly. Do those good works that would be the Holy Spirit using those to renew us. To be at work in our lives through his word, just as he was with the Thessalonians. So in... These moments of suffering, would you invite the Holy Spirit to give you joy? We do this by praying to the Father by way of Jesus. And how is it that we can be sure that Jesus will answer our prayer? By giving us the Holy Spirit? Because he's promised to do it. He did so for his apostles after, um, just prior to his leaving. We see this in Acts 1.8, he says this to them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that happened. The Holy Spirit has come and the Holy Spirit remains for those who are in Christ. And why can we trust Jesus? Because he said these things after conquering the grave. After dying on the cross taking the penalty that was justly ours upon himself and going to the grave, but being raised from the grave three days later. Jesus spoke these things to his apostles as one who knew and who knew what they would need to face hard times. The joy that's found in affliction, in suffering. The joy that comes through God's word. So might we accept God's word today, um, even when it's hard? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who knows. We thank you, Lord, that uh, nothing's too big for you um, that we would throw up to you. And may we throw some things at you here today. Um, Meet us in our grieving. Meet us in the hard questions that weren't even uttered today. The hard questions that you know what we're walking in. 
Would you be our comfort? Would you be our joy through your word this morning? Amen.